Good morning, church. Can you shout a big amen for me today? It's good to see you. Um, God's good, and, and uh, he's still working. He's still faithful. Can I hear an amen? Uh, it's a good season. Ladies, um, if you're not registered, please, this is, this is what we do for the women every year. This is a really big deal. Please get registered. Get online and get registered. Register out there. You can get the information. But all, all of the, the ladies in the Pearl Church, um, you don't want to miss this. I'm not trying to be a, an advertisement or a commercial, but, but really, this is one of the most powerful uh, things that we have in our church all year. And all the ladies said amen. Okay, come on. Get involved. Uh, get plugged in. And then also, please, if you are new, um, text us that number. We actually have an online uh, thing this Tuesday night for everyone who's new in the church. We'd love to see you there. And if you text new to that number, then what'll happen is you'll, you'll get an invite from us and we'll get together for one hour and, and do some stuff on Tuesday. And then we'll invite you to a lunch. Does anybody here like to eat? <sighs> okay. Some of you didn't admit the truth. How many people here like to eat? Okay. I know we have to be careful, but, but uh, I, I, I wept the first time I went to a restaurant. And my wife actually wept. We actually went to breakfast. We were laughing because she just, she, somebody brought coffee and, and we're sitting there and she literally looks at me. She goes, someone else is going to clean for me. It was amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, good to see you today. All right. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I want to, I want to do a message this morning that comes from Luke chapter 24. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, by the way, welcome our online community. I love you guys. Good to see you. Everybody can go to Luke 24 in your Bibles or on your phones, on your app, whatever it is, and just hold on to that for a second, and, uh, and we'll, we'll come back around. So I don't know if any of you here are fans of the show, The Masked Singer. Come on, some of you admit it. Come on, who's watching The Masked Singer? You're a grown adult watching people run around in costumes. Come on, let's be honest. You like the show. If you haven't seen the show, what makes it interesting is that it's a show where people come out in a costume and they get to choose their costume. They can wear whatever they want, but the, they, their identity has to be secret. So they come out and then they sing. And what makes the show incredible is that they, they can have anybody sing. I mean, it could be, they could be, you know, multi-Grammy award-winning, multi-platinum singers, people from their 80s all the way down into their, I think their 20s. It could be professional athletes. Uh, people who can't sing at all. Come on, somebody. Even some of them have been on there. But the goal is to guess who it is that's in the costume. And um, right before they come out, you know, whether you're a dinosaur, a squirrel, whatever your costume is, you come out right before they show a video. And the video gives you hints about who this person could be. And the person who makes it all the way through the show without anybody guessing, they win. But you have these hints. And so there's times where my family, we'll sit around and we're like trying to figure out you know, who, you know, who are they hinting towards? We try to figure out. Then they have this one judge. And this one judge, Ken, um, Ken, I can't remember his last name. He's the Asian comedian, hilarious guy. He has a line. He has a line that's the most famous line on the show now. Because when it comes his, to his turn to guess, every time he jumps up, he's loud. He jumps up and he goes, does anybody know what he says? I know exactly. There it is. I know exactly who this is. And what makes the line so good is that he's always wrong, okay? He's wrong every time. So they go through the show, and then you get to the end, and then they reveal themselves when they get voted off. 
And then one of the judges always comes back around and says, says, oh, I knew, I knew, I knew it was them the whole time. I could feel it in my gut. You know, I, I just, I just didn't want to say it, you know, uh, but I, but I knew it the whole time. So, I mean, I, I hope that this analogy works, but, but, but I want you to listen to this for a second. There's actually an event that takes place in the Bible where Jesus dis- disguises himself from a couple of, uh, a couple of people and he makes them in a sense, kind of guess who he is. And, and that comes out of, out of Luke 24. Now, this is a, a really famous story that people preach around Easter and Christmas and um, about the road to Emmaus and the two men that Jesus comes up to. But he literally disguises himself. And then at the end of the story, they were like, oh, I knew who it was the whole time, you know. So what I want to do is I want to preach a message this morning called, I knew that it was Jesus the whole time, okay? So let me read to you from Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to read the whole story this morning so that we have context. I'll go as quickly as I can here, starting in verse 13. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. And it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And uh, they were talking with each other about everything that had just happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and started walking along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, he said, what are you guys talking about while you're on your little walk here? And they stood still and their faces were downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked Jesus, he said, are you literally the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that are going on right now? I mean, and they're they're looking at him like, you know, like, like, where have you, where have you been? You know, and he's like in the ground, but I came out. So, um, are you literally the only person who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? And then Jesus playing along, he says, what things? What are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I mean, come on, the guy was a prophet, powerful in word and deep before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be killed. And they crucified him. But we had all hoped that he was gonna be the redeemer of Israel. And, and what is more, it just happens to be the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us because they went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that everything that they'd seen and they had a vision from angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish are you guys and how slow are you to believe that all the pro- what all the prophets have spoken? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory afterwards? Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, um, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And I love that. So now he's teaching them about himself, but they don't know that it's him. And as they approached the village to which they were going to, Jesus continued on uh, to go a little farther, but they urged him strongly, please stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he broke bread, gave thanks, broke it, and then began to give it to him. And as he did, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, weren't your hearts burning while he was walking with us on the road? You know, it was kind of like I knew it was him the whole time. 
And then it goes on and says, they got up, they returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11. They assembled together and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen. Um, he has appeared to Simon. And then the two told him what happened on the way and how Jesus uh, was recognized by them when he broke the red and it goes on. But here, here's, here's the point is that sometimes, sometimes Jesus has to walk with you before he reveals himself to you. Now, I, I, what I wanna do is I wanna talk about how God reveals himself to us a little bit, Okay. I want to talk about how it is that he opens himself up to us and shows us who it is that he is. And he does it in levels, okay? And the first level is this. Jesus reveals himself when it is right. It says that, it says that he went along and he kept them from recognizing him. He was in disguise. So then the question is, why is it that Jesus would disguise himself from these two men? And the answer is because that's what was right for them at that moment. You see, Jesus wants a certain fruit out of his encounters with us and how he reveals himself to us will impact the fruit that the encounter produces. In other words, there are some times when it's just not right for him to show us everything because we won't know how to handle it. God knows who you are and how it is that you'll receive him and he's taken a little time. Let, let, me, let me expand on this a little bit. So when I was a young man and I was on my journey, there were many people who were a part of my walk. It says here that, that they walked for seven miles and Jesus joined with them. And there were many people that were with me for a little bit of time on my walk. And I think about all the different Christians that I met, the ones at my school that were praying for me. And I thought that was really weird because I went to a youth group one night and my picture was on their wall. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're a cult. I got to run, run, you know, run. They, they got my picture on the wall, you know. And I, I was on their prayer wall, but they'd been praying for me. Or the Christians that I met at supermarkets and people who would ask me questions and family that I had that, that knew God that were always praying for me. And just along the way, I even had friends. Friends in high school that came in and out of my life in strategic moments, and what I learned was that was Jesus walking with me and just not confronting me, but maybe loving me a little bit and letting things soften in my heart. As a matter of fact, this is, this is insane, but literally, as I was working on this message last night, my, I got a text message from one of those people from my younger years. Completely, I believe it was providence. My, I looked down at my phone and on my phone is a text message from a guy named Jerry Harris. Now, when I was a young man, I was, I, man, I didn't know Jesus. I'd been to church and I had had a couple of like experiences, but I, but I wasn't in relationship with Jesus. I had a hard heart. I was bitter. I was hard. Uh, my childhood was difficult. There's just a lot going on in here, right? A lot to unpack through life. So, but one day I'm throwing a party. So I'm throwing a party. I, I think, and I was trying to figure out the age. I think I was about 19, 18 or 19. And uh, um, we're all sitting around at this party that I was throwing. And, you know, we were doing things like, you know, playing Monopoly, drinking Pepsi, um, watching Pride and Prejudice. And I've, I just have really grown to love that. Um, so we're having a party. And there was a, a young man, uh, one of my little circle of friends. And he, he walked into the room one day. And uh, in our room, we had an out-of-tune piano and an old crappy guitar. And this guitar was beat up. It had three strings on it. And uh, no one ever really played it. It just sat there. And Jerry walks in with a friend. And he, he sits down and he looks down at the, at the guitar. And he reaches over and he picks up the guitar. 
And he puts it in his lap. I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. You know, Jerry's a basketball player. He's an athlete. He's, uh, he's going to play the guitar. And I was ready to kind of make fun of him and give him a hard time. And he picks it up and he takes his hand. He doesn't go like this. Three strings on a guitar. He doesn't go like this. He puts his hand over the top of the guitar. That's what bass players do. So he takes three strings, puts his hand over the top of the guitar, and he starts to play three strings. And he starts to play. He's ripping into those strings, man. He's playing these little, these little riffs and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Jerry has talent. Like, where did he learn music? Like, I didn't know you learned. I literally said to him, I didn't even know you played. He's like, yeah, I play a little bit. Well, it turns out that, that in that season, you know, Jerry was... Jerry was hanging out with me, I think probably just to try to help me, and I was the bad influence in his life. He was a youth group kid, played music, played in a, a church called Maranatha. You've probably heard, heard that name before. And, and then I found out a little later, one of my buddies was hanging out with him, and, and uh, my buddy comes home and says, you know, Jerry took me to his church. I said, Really? Because yeah, Jerry took me to his church, and right in the middle of church, you're not even going to believe what Jerry did. And I was like, what did Jerry do? What did, what did he do? He goes, somebody up in the front said, if you want Jesus back in your life, get out of your seat and run down to the front. And Jerry ran down to the front. I go, no way. He's like, yeah. He went down to the front and he was like all Jesus and everything, you know. And I was like, man, what's up with Jerry? But what, what Jerry didn't know is that as we would, as we would, move apart in our life as, as young men, uh, Jesus used him. Because I used to always think, what, is, what are those things when people run down to the front? What does that mean to give your life to Jesus? What, what does it mean? What, why did he do that? What was it in front of his friends, all these athletes, that he, and there was a bunch of guys there, what would get him out of his seat and run down to the front of the church? But God had already been working on me. See, but I had a hard heart. But God used Jerry on my seven-mile walk. He was just Jesus, just along the way, just explaining things to me. And I didn't know that, you know, Jerry did a little music, and then, and then uh, a few years later, uh, he, would, he and I would come back around, and we would meet somewhere, and um, I was preaching and he was playing keyboard, and he had become a really well-known worship musician, and all of a sudden, he was a producer, and he's on the biggest Christian stages in the world, and through all those years, I would watch him play at all these big conferences, and uh, he, was, he was Israel Houghton's uh, keyboard player and producer, and I would watch him, and I would rewind when I would see things and say, there's Jerry. What is he doing? He's gone from the altar to the stage, and one day later, we would come back, and he would play, and I would preach. But can I just tell, say something to you? That as a, as a young man who was heart of heart and didn't know, God just brought many Jerry's into my life. People that I never expected. It could have been people at the mall, people in a restaurant, somebody from high school. It could have been somebody that I met along the way. But the whole time, Jesus was softening my heart because when it was time for him to really reveal himself, I had to be ready because I wasn't ready. And sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes he has to walk with you before he reveals himself to you. And I was, see, it's, it's kind of like, you know, tenting. Here's the process. Here's how it works. So if you like to tent, and everyone knows that my family, I like to tent. My family likes to tent watching it through a screen. They like to tent TV screen. And, um, but here in Colorado, if you go tenting, one of the problems you have is you got a tent, you got those little stakes, but our ground is so hard, you can't get the stake in the ground. It's just one of those things. 
But then over time, as the rains come and the ground softens, all of a sudden there's a moment where something penetrates that didn't penetrate before. And every one of those people in my life that represented Jesus on my walk, my Emmaus Road, they were softening in my heart. And then one day in Seattle, Washington, Jesus came into my spirit and the seed of God got into me and took root. And you know what? My life was changed. My life was changed. I became a Christian. I started to try to figure this out and then it started to grow. But then it's interesting in the Bible because Jesus uses several metaphors. And what happens is once Jesus is in your heart, then he flips the script and he changes the metaphor. Let me explain this. First, Jesus is a seed trying to penetrate your heart. But then once it takes root and he begins to grow, the Bible switches the metaphor and now it says that he is a tree and you are now a part of the vine. So you go from Jesus in me to I am in Christ. And it's an incredible, miraculous journey because Jesus in me is the first thing that happens. I am in Christ is what happens as we grow and mature. Because there's a point to where Jesus is in you, he's trying to work on you, and, and all of a sudden the Bible uses another metaphor called leaven, and the leaven takes over your whole body, like, like leaven in a bread. It takes over everything and leaves nothing the same. So this transition is interesting because what happens is that you begin to, to think differently, pray differently, or view the world differently. Let me give you an example. When you go from Jesus and me to I'm in Christ, you start saying things like, should I pray for God to be my provider or is God my sustenance? Whether I'm having a good day, bad day, rich, poor, family's great, family's not so great, marriage great, not so great, it doesn't matter. Yes, I need him to provide for me, but he is not just my provider, he is my sustenance. So regardless of what happens, he will still be here with me tomorrow and he will carry me through. And he loves me. So it's not Jesus in me. I, I need a word. God, do this. No, he takes over and all of a sudden he becomes my sustenance in everything I experience. Or like this, like this. Is Jesus like my little oxygen can that I carry around in Colorado? Have you seen those little oxygen cans that they sell now? I give them to all of our guest speakers because two of our guest speakers have like passed out and had to go to the hospital. Seriously. You're in here having church. We're taking them to the ER. It's a great time. Um, but they have these little cans now with green tops, you know, peppermint oxygen, you know, spearmint oxygen, right? So is Jesus an oxygen can that we just carry around with us and we ignore it until we feel weak and then we turn to Jesus? Or is he the air that we breathe? There's a difference. Jesus in me, I am in Christ. Do I read the Bible because I need the word of God to conform my thoughts because maybe I have bad thoughts and if I read the Bible, it'll conform my thoughts, it'll stop my thoughts or do I read the word of God, does it take over like leaven and does it transform my mind? Do I want to not have bad thoughts or do I want to have a transformed mind? See, this is the difference, Jesus and me, I'm in Christ, Jesus and me is first but we have to go from Jesus is in me to I am in Christ. And the world just begins to change. So he walks with us. And the reason why he's walking with us sometimes before he reveals himself to us is because he wants to let the water of the Holy Spirit 
soften us so that at the right time and at the right moment when he reveals something, it will be meaningful to you or to me. God knows you. Just because he doesn't show up the way we want him to show up doesn't mean he's not there. He's on the road to Emmaus with you. The second level is that Jesus allows us to see later how close he was then. So watch this. And he asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they were looking down with their faces. And one of them said, seriously, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that just happened? And he goes, he goes, what things? Like, are you, are you literally, I mean, here's, here's Jesus in disguise. Are you literally the only person on the face of the planet that doesn't know we basically just had a revolution? Jesus, the, this guy was completely out of control, healing people. They crucified him. He said he was gonna raise on the third day and today's the third day, right? They can't find his body. How can you not know? And Jesus is like, wow, right? Well, they would look back in a few verses and realize who it was that they were talking to. It was kind of like, you remember the Geico commercial? You're like, what do you live under a rock? You remember that? The Super Bowl one is like, what do you live under a rock? Do you not know what's going on? And then the rock comes up and this dude pops out, right? And he goes, 15% or more, you know? Do you live under a rock? How many of you remember that commercial? Shall we watch it? Let's watch it. I think we have it. Let's Good watch it. Good switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? What, do you live under a rock? <laughs> no way. Okay, so hey, this Rick, is... check this out. This is the way they were treating Jesus. What, do you live under a rock? And he's like, no way. Why is it that Jesus did that? Jesus does not say that he doesn't know. See, here's, here's the thing. He says, what things? Because he was positioning them for something. Because Jesus did not want to just have an answer for the question. He wanted to be the answer. Christ in me, I'm in Christ. He doesn't want them to just, he's like, yeah, I heard all about it. No, he says, what things? Because he doesn't want to answer their question. He wants to be the answer to the question. You, I, it's not, and that's not something that you talk about in words or even in action. He, they went from having an answer to having a savior. Do you know how far that is? That's from heaven to the cross to the grave and out on the third day. That's the journey that it took to go from have an answer to be an answer. But he wanted to be the Messiah for them. Not just tell them that he understood it. And the reason is because he knew all their problems. He knew what they were going through. But at the end of the day, who you are in Christ is greater than what you need from Christ. Because if you know who you are in Christ, you'll have all you need in Christ. And then the third level, the third thing that happens in revelation of Jesus is Jesus lets us rehearse what we know before he shows us who he is. So then they're like, he goes, what things? And they go, okay, listen, stranger. We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth? Prophet, word and deed, before God, handed him over, sentenced to death, crucified. He was the hope of Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. 
Jesus wanted to know what they knew. He wanted them to rehearse what they knew about him. And the reason is because what you know about someone helps you to identify them when they show up. You see, this, is, this was a theme with Israel. Israel should have known who Jesus was. They had hundreds of prophecies that, that uh, were all through the Old Testament. They knew where he was gonna be born. They saw his story in the stars. They knew where he was walking from. They should have known it was him when he rode in on a donkey. They should, have, they should have known who Jesus was. They had all of the information in the Old Testament, but for some reason he showed up and they didn't know who he was. Even though they had rehearsed it every single day, if you were a child in the Hebrew culture, you had to have the five, first five books of the Bible memorized by the time that you were 12, the Pentateuch. You had to have it memorized because we gotta know the Messiah when he shows up and here he is. And they don't see him. So he says, okay, look, he says, he says, what things? And then he lets them rehearse everything that they're saying because he's about to see if they recognize him. I, now, I, I want to confess, I did something. I, I've been waiting for years to confess this. Um, I was at Starbucks one day. And um, there was a girl reading the Bible. And I, I was getting my coffee. I said, hey, that's a good book. She goes, yes, it is a good book, you know. And uh, I think she was a college age, you know, and there's a grown man like, hey, that's a good book, you know, a little intimidating. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good book. And so I, I said, oh, you know, you know, what's your favorite chapter? And we just, I was waiting for my coffee. And finally we got around to church. And, um, and she says to me, she says to me, well, where do you go to church? And I said, oh, I, I go to the Pearl Church. And she goes, oh, the Pearl Church. She said, I've, I've heard of that church. I said, yeah, you should, you should visit sometime, you know. Blah, blah. She, goes, she goes, I just have, can I ask you one question? I said, sure. She goes, this is really important to me. I said, okay. She goes, how's the preaching? <laughs> Seriously. And I looked at her and I had a choice to make. And uh, I, I made potentially the wrong one. She says, how's the preaching? And I, I literally, the way I think, it, these guys all know how I think. So this was a big moment for me. Like, this is like tee up the ball. I'm ready. This is going to be good. So I literally said, I said, I got to be honest with you. It's incredible. <laughs> I said, I said, honestly, it's amazing. And she's like, oh, okay, that's good to know. I think I'm, yeah, I said, yeah, you should, you should come visit. And I, and I just got out as fast as I could because <laughs> I didn't want her to know. I, what I thought would be funny if she showed up and she saw me preaching. But then I thought, oh my gosh, what if I bomb? Because then she's going to take what I said and who I was in the service and go, not the same thing. Right? There's, what you know about somebody has to match when they show up. So he's like, tell me what you know, what things. And he wanted them to say it out loud so that when he revealed himself, they would match. And it, can they recognize him? And then I love what he did next. Jesus is so funny. Like, I just, I don't know why. I just think this is one of the coolest moments in the Bible. So they, he, just, he just shows up and starts walking with them. And they're walking and Jesus is like, okay. And the Bible says that from that moment on, they probably had a couple of miles left. Imagine this. He literally starts to tell them everything the Bible says about himself. 
He starts in Genesis and he goes through the entire Old Testament. Can you imagine these guys like, well, this guy's really intense. You know, like, and he goes, could you imagine everything? I'm, I'm, he's Jesus, he's the Messiah. He starts in Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy. He gets into the suffering servant in Isaiah and he's quoting every prophecy and everything that's ever been written about who Jesus would be all the way to their destination. Jesus teaching them about himself to see if they start to figure it out. It's like that movie on the, on the show that they show before somebody comes out, they have all these hints, they have all these things. I mean, Jesus teaching the Old Testament about himself. And so they just keep walking. But he wants them to, to recognize this. Can I just, just one more story? So I, I brought this up in another analogy, but, but just flow with me here. Have you guys ever seen undercover Lyft? The Lyft drivers who are secretly like movie stars? You gotta get on YouTube and watch this. So they're movie stars, singers, and they, they, um, they disguise themselves and then they go pick people up and lift. And it's really funny. And 99.9 times uh, out of 100, the people in the car don't know who it is. They don't get it until the end of the show, end of the thing, except for one person whose disguise didn't work, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> they put Shaq on undercover lift, and they put him in a small car on purpose. You, you cannot hide who Shaq is. You know, he's 330 pounds, seven foot one with a size 22 shoe. You can't hide him, and it is the funniest thing you've ever seen. Because what he does is he puts on costumes from different nations, and he acts like he's from different places in the world. So you get, first he's from Jamaica, and he's got all these dreads and this, this hat on, and he's got an accent, and this guy's just looking, looking at him the whole time like this, and he's like, he's like, you like basketball? He's like, not really. Get out of my car, you know. One lady, one lady, he gets one lady in the car and he goes, and for whatever nation he was trying to be from, it was really funny. He goes, he goes, you like basketball? She goes, I love basketball. Um, who's your favorite big man in the NBA of all time? She goes, Dikembe. He goes, no, 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 no. You know, no, 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 no. She's like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to kill me. And then he's like, he's like, uh, Shaquille O'Neal is the greatest free throw shooter of all time. Now, if you know the story, he can't make his free throw to save his life. He's the greatest free throw shooter of all time. And then this lady gets in, and he's pretending to be French. Shaquille O'Neal in a little car, 330 pounds. He's got a beret on and some long hair underneath it. And he gets in, and he's like, hello, my name is Pierre. You know, and he's just giant. And the lady was from France. And so she looks up and she starts talking French to him. And he's like, me no speak it to French. <laughs> you know? This is the moment. Do you see what I'm saying? He is quoting every verse from the Old Testament for two miles about everything that he is. You can't hide it. It's Shaq. How can you? It's, it's, it's Jesus. And he's just like, and then in chapter 4, and then in chapter 14, and then 17, and then 20s. And then, then Isaiah prophesied this. And they're just like overwhelmed. They're like, oh, my gosh, this guy, something in them on this road, they, had, they were softening. They were starting to, to figure something out. But it's like you can't hide it forever. See, some people, probably even some of you here literally right now, 
or listening online, some of you need God to reveal himself to you. Not just who he is, because you've heard of Jesus, right? But he, he doesn't want you to know that he knows the answer. He wants you to know he is the answer. He is the answer. And it could be something in the marriage. It could be something in your finances or whatever. He wants to reveal himself to you. And I love this verse in Acts chapter 17, verse 27. And God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us, right? So when you're going through a difficult time, you have to rehearse what you know. Rehearse what you know. Rehearse what he's done in the past. Rehearse what Jesus said to you. Rehearse over and over and over again what it is that you know. Because I promise you, when he reveals himself, he's going to fulfill what he promised way back in the day. He's going to do what he said. And then there's just a couple quick levels here. And here's what happens. Level four of Jesus revealing is that he reveals himself in relationships. He reveals himself in relationships. So here's what happens. So they're going along and Jesus has just ripped into him for like two hours about the Old Testament. And he's like, okay, I gotta go. And he starts to, he starts to walk away and leave. And they're like, stop, please, please don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. Once something has been birthed in your spirit, once it's been birthed, you don't wanna let it go. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're walking with him and first he just showed up and then he was asking questions. How could he not know about Jesus? And, and I said all these things and he just, I mean, he ripped into us about Isaiah and all the prophets, the Old Testament, the big prophets, the little prophets. Like there's something about this guy. Like, like we're not done yet. We're not done yet. When God begins to reveal, when it starts to come alive, you've got to hang on. Some of you just have to hang on. When I got saved, when I got saved, I prayed the prayer in a street, different story, but I didn't know anything about church, nothing. Like, I don't know what a pastor, all I knew is that one of my friends, his name was Jerry, he ran down to the front of a church one time. That's what I gotta do. I gotta go find a place and run to the front. This is not an exaggeration. I was like, I gotta find a church to run to the front because that's how you get saved. And so I started visiting churches, but none of them did altar calls. Went to a Methodist church, great people, love them. They didn't do an altar call. I was so bummed. Went to a Presbyterian church. Love them, wonderful people. They didn't do an altar call. I was like, oh, they didn't do one of those things. Went to a Catholic church, okay? All my Catholic friends. Now this was a trip. I walk up and we're all in a line. And the reason I knew where the Catholic church is because they had a bell choir and every Saturday morning, they had bell choir rehearsal and you could hear it in the whole neighborhood. So I'm like, I'm going to the church with the bells, man. They're gonna call, they're gonna have one of those things. So. I go there, I'm in line, there's a guy in front of me and I realize they're doing a bunch of stuff to get in and I don't, I don't know it. So there's a guy and I'm like, I'm gonna do exactly what he does. So he walks up, he looks over, there's water there. And I'm like, I'm thirsty, let's go. Let's, I didn't really, but there's water there. And he does this and he does this thing. And I'm like, so I copied him. And then he walks down the aisle and he gets on one knee and he crosses himself and he gets up and goes down the aisle. So I did the same thing. And when I crossed myself, went down the aisle. I'm doing okay so far. Now I'm standing next to this guy and the service starts. And he, they start repeating prayers, which is cool, but I, I didn't know any of the prayers. So they would say something that everyone in the room knew and then they would do this little cross thing all the way across. And I was like, man, so I just, I had to fake it. Fake it till you make it, people. Come on, somebody, right? So every time it was time to say a prayer, this is, this is actually what happened. I'm standing next to this guy 
and they're doing the prayer. And when they would, I would go like this. I'd be like, two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> then they'd do the next one. And I was like, two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And then finally, this guy next to me, true story, he, he just kind of looks at me with a big smile. He goes, you, you don't know what you're doing. I said, no. He goes, but you're making me hungry. And I said, I said, bro, I'm doing the best that I can. Do you know if they do one of those things where you run down, you know? He's like, no, nah, I don't know. I don't know. We don't do that here. So I wasn't going to give up. So finally, I'm watching TV one day. And a pastor named Casey Treat, maybe you've heard of him. I was in Seattle, living in Seattle. I'm watching Casey Treat. And uh, there's a testimony here, another story. But I was like, that guy did it. He did a rundown thingy. I'm going. So I show up the next Sunday at Casey Treats Church. I walk in, I'm standing in the very back row of this massive mega church warehouse. I'm like, this is cool, but let's get there. Let's get it done because I got to get saved. See, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that my relationship with Jesus wasn't, wasn't based on whether or not I ran somewhere. It was based on how soft my heart was. He had already penetrated. It was already growing. And my action was, I gotta find him. I gotta know him and I can't stop. Like these guys, please don't go. Stay with us a little longer. I can't let you leave. We're gonna make a meal. You're not going anywhere. You gotta stay. It's getting late. I gotta find you. This is the way I was. He did an altar call. I don't know what the altar call was for. I don't care. I literally don't remember. I just know I was the first one out of my seat, man. And I ran down to the front and I stood there tears pouring down my face and he came down and he laid hands on me and prayed for me and led everybody through the sinner's prayer and I thought okay finally I'm saved finally I'm saved but I had been saved for a little while from the moment in the street when I said Jesus Jesus I'm tired of this this has been years of pain and years of this and I just need you in my life and can you please just can help me can you save me and all of a sudden I stood up my countenance changed and Jesus in me had put some roots in and those roots were growing and the roots were thirsty and it forced me to run and somehow in that process in that time period I went from Christ in me to being in Christ and I was it was Christ trying to get in and now it's fruit trying to get out come on somebody and then all of a sudden one day I'm throwing a conference there's thousands of people Casey Treat is there had no idea who I was. I walked up and I said, Casey, you prayed for me. I ran down the aisle in your church 15 years ago or whatever it was. And I said, I said, I just want to thank you for being, being there. So these guys are sitting at the table. They walk up with Jesus. And where does Jesus decide to reveal himself? When did it happen? He walks up. He says, hey, what's up, Kai? Elliot they're just like who's this guy and man he knows the Old Testament really good you know who is he and Jesus says hey guys let's sit down and take some bread and he breaks the bread and I want you to just look at this breaking bread is the picture of his body but it's also the picture of our community and as he broke the bread and handed it to them around the table, the Bible says their eyes were opened. So yes, we need, we need Jesus, but it ends with us needing each other. 
It ends with a whole bunch of people on a seven mile walk who all end up just breaking bread together and loving each other. And we just finished the vote group. So they finish up this weekend. We've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in devote groups, people crying, people giving their lives to Jesus, people revealing themselves through a Zoom call, through a Google chat in the backyard of somebody's house. And I just love it because I know every one of them are on a seven mile walk, come on. And at some point along the line, when they sat down and their friends and family were around them, Jesus revealed themselves and people get to know Christ now because this is where he leads us. He doesn't lead us backwards. He leads us to each other. And we build a community based on the breaking of the bread and the truth of Jesus. This is how it ends for them. This is how the story ends. And then they walk away and one of them goes, I knew it was him the whole time. I mean, if you read it, I knew. I mean. Literally, he says, so, I mean, I mean, I knew it was him. He says, hey, bro, didn't you, didn't your heart burn the whole time he walked with us? Like, didn't you know? Didn't your heart feel like it was literally on fire when he talked about the scriptures? I mean, I, I, I knew it was him, but I couldn't get myself to say it couldn't get myself to say it, but I knew it. Well, let me just, let me just close with this. The burning heart. The, the burning heart that I gotta have more spirit. I'm not gonna give up spirit. God's got a plan for my life spirit. God is going to, to do things in my life that I could never have done on my own. He's going to show up. He's going to reveal himself, but he's gonna do it at the right time and the right moment for me because he knows me better than myself, but my heart is burning. Why? Because I know that he's close. He's close. He's not far, but sometimes the journey, he lets us just kind of reach for him and, and hope for him and wrestle to find him, even though he's standing right next to us with the burning heart. God wants you to know that he's so ready to reveal himself in your situation. There are so many people in our city that, that ha their hearts are burning because along the journey, man, just along the journey that people going in and out and services and a friend and a family member and a praying grandma and a, a service online and, and all of a sudden the hearts are burning all over the city. Can we pray for them right now? Can we pray that the burning heart leads to a revelation of Jesus? And a, and a relationship with each other that takes us through this time. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet right now. Let's wrap it up. Let's pray. I went a little long. Thank you for having patience with me today. Can everybody just say the name of Jesus out loud? Come on, say Jesus. Come on, one more time. Say Jesus. One more time. Say Jesus. Okay, let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you know us intimately and intricately and you know what we need and when we need it and there are just areas in our life that are still closed. There, there are things in our heart that are still hard, but I know that the water of God, the rain of the Holy Spirit is softening. And Lord, you wanna reveal yourself in those moments and in those areas, so we trust you. But our hearts are burning right now because we know you're close. We know that you're right here at the table with us right now. We know, we know it's you. We know that you have a plan. Heads bowed and eyes closed. 
If there's an area in your life, literally where, where you need him to show up for you and your heart is burning because you know he's about to come through for you, we lift your hand. Lift your hand real quick because I wanna pray for you. Hands all over the room. That goes for you online as well. Please, wherever you're at, just lift your hand. God sees you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all of these hands that are lifted. You're such a good God. Thank you for loving us more than we could ever love ourselves. Thank you for knowing us at a level that we could never know ourselves. Father, sometimes you just walk with us before you reveal yourself to us so that we can have burning hearts, hearts that burn for you, Jesus. For these hands that are lifted today, their hearts are burning. Reveal yourself in their situation. Whatever the prayer is, whatever the need is, whatever it is inside of them, speak to them, break bread with them, give them encouragement and strength, Jesus, I pray. I want the whole church, come on, everybody, online and in person right now, say this, say, Lord Jesus, my heart is burning. My heart is on fire. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're with me right now. Father, thank you for forgiving me of every mistake that I've ever made. Lord Jesus, thank you for walking with me and revealing yourself in my life. I trust you, you're showing up and you're gonna do what you said you could do. In Jesus' name, come on church, put your hands together. Tell Jesus you love him, it's a great day. Come on, put your hands together one more time. And I love you guys all so much. I love you so much. Come on, let's close with a song. Come on, sing, I put my faith.